brings us to the reality of our nation and what's happening to it. I mean, look, really, what can we do? Now, they're taking our rights away. I mean, they are, more and more. A lot of times they're doing things we don't even know of. Uh, it's just being passed in meetings and various things. Uh, removing crosses all over the place. The Ten Commandments seem to be disappearing everywhere. Your child will get thrown out of school probably if he wears a Christian t-shirt. Uh, it's just nuts. Uh, people get fired for praying at soccer games, football games, basketball games. Uh, getting all kind of heat. You can't even speak about the Lord if you're the uh, graduation speaker. In reality, what really, what can we do? I mean, so we would always say, okay, we'll just vote the bums out. Well, the bums are playing with our votes now. And we don't even know if our votes are conning or where they're going with all this electronic stuff. It's so awesome to sit in my PJs with a hot cup of tea buying Christmas presents in my bed. That's fun. But that's about the only good thing you can do. Everything else, you wonder what's going on with all this electronic stuff. They're saying their TV could watch you, your phone could watch you. I mean, it's just insane. So really, what, what can we do as we see that and it's stirring and it's patriotic? Is it not when he's, man, I want to salute the guy back when he does that. I just love that kind of stuff. But here's my, here's my point. Here's what we can do. America needs new hope. Needs churches that will stand on the word of God. Because all their secret meetings and all their playing with all the votes, all that conniving and all those billionaires that they have throwing money, all that filth going on, what are they going to do when God shows up? Seriously, what are they going to do? You understand, every Sunday, every uh, time we come in here, God should be showing up. This is what made America great. Thank you for George Washington. Thank you for Abraham Lincoln. But it was Almighty God that made this nation great. So what are all these fools, sorry, going to do when Almighty shows up? When we put God back on the throne? Here in this place, what are they going to do? Seriously, think of this. I know that they think they got everything conniving, and the last president won't even fade away. He's doing things behind us. What's he going to do when Almighty shows up? He'll hit his face as fast as you and I. And so I want you to look at this, because you have a role here. You and I need to bring this type of presence of God that is all through the Word of God back in the house of God again. We do. We absolutely do. This is your role. This is why you're saved for such a time as this. America is on the gurney, is it not? It's on life support. It's flatlining. And it's only the Spirit of God that's going to bring it back. And so you and I must do this. Must. 1 Chronicles 29.11 says this. Listen about your God. Thine, O Lord. Lord, you, thine, O Lord, is the greatness and power and glory and victory and majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. This is the God we're talking about to get in here. Let them play with my little vote. What are you going to do with this guy when he shows up? When this God that has all greatness, all power, all glory, all victory, and all majesty, what are you going to do? 
Seriously, what are they going to do when Almighty comes back and rules and reigns and said, no, 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 I'm going to back these people because they are stepping up for me. Psalms 29.4 says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord. The Lord himself, all those that had all the votes, all the money, all the torches came looking for him. Right? All the Supreme Court judges, all those bums came looking. And a traitor came looking. And what happened? He said, I am he. And what happened to him? Man, they all flew backwards with the power of God's voice alone. You have a voice. You're filled with the Godhead bodily. You are. You and I are. What are they going to do? They need to, they need to pray to whoever they pray to that we don't wake up. Because I'll tell you, if we do, they're in big trouble. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Full. You know, when the majesty and the Shekinah glory of God comes in here, you know what you're going to do? You're going to hit the deck like a dead man. That's all you're going to be able to do. There's no flesh going to say, man, this is cool, this is awesome. You're going to be on your face. You will, because who can stand in the fullness of the majesty of Almighty God? Psalms 97.1 says, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the owls be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. The fire goes before him and burneth up his enemies round about. He's going to burn them up like nothing. His lightnings enlighten the world. The earth saw and trembled. Listen to this. All the various mountains that are in front of us right now, all these laws and various things that are going behind our backs are boldly open. God says, all those hills will melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people will see his glory. That's what needs to be seen. That's what all these masses, all these various people who you almost get an attitude towards the way they vote. They need to see this glory of God. They need to experience sitting in the house of God in the fullness of his presence. And their knees start to shake and their teeth rattle in their mouth because of the glory of God. You are believers, right? Then act like it. Giving me the creeps. Am I alone? Okay. <laughs> okay. Psalms 151, New Living Translation says this. Praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary where we are right now. Praise him. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Psalm 68, 35 says this, God is awesome. He's awesome. King James says he's one bad dude. He's terrible. That's what it says. That word means astonishment and awe. The lost who don't have a clue, who's going against everything that America stands for, are going to be in awe and astonishment when God says, excuse me, these people want me back in their life. And he comes in with all that he is. Oh. 
All right, so what's changed then? Where is all this? Well, well look, we just got to look at it for what it says. There, Judges 6.11 says this. And there came an angel of the Lord, and he sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, uh, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. That's the church, okay? Now look, you're supposed to thresh wheat on the top of the hill, and you throw it up, and the wind blows the junk away. He's threshing it in a dugout hole deep down in the ground. When he's supposed to be on top of the hill. Gideon. The people of God. So that's what exactly. This was absolutely difficult to do that and humiliating to do that. And it's almost humiliating, it seems like, to be a Christian or today. It's just crazy. Wheat was to be threshed in open spaces on top of a hill. Matthew tells us, you are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop that cannot be hid. You're not supposed to be doing this, trying to get wheat from all the, Where's it going to go? It's just going to keep falling right down and keep mixing. There's no wind to blow it away, so it's a never-ending dumb job. God says, get on the hill. So I'll see where the wind blows and throw it up. And then you'll have pure wheat to make bread. So that was, that's what Gideon was doing in his day. All right? So verse 12 comes to this Gideon who's down there like this. Gideon's not saying we should be doing this on a hill. How come I can't get anybody to follow me? Why can't they be like me? No, he's just down here doing it. That's what he's doing. Verse 12 says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man of valor. I mean, get the picture. I mean, you'd be scared out of your socks if you heard, that, first of all, that voice. New Living Translation says this, maybe more like us. The angel Lord appeared unto him and said, Mighty hero! Now look, I can't relate to a lot of men of God, but I can relate to this. I can relate to being a sissy or a chicken or thinking I can't do it. God's going to pick someone else. Hey, look, I'm no Moses. I'm just trying. So God comes to you and I and says, hey, uh, oh, mighty hero. God doesn't say, for crying out loud, you bum, this is your last chance. He doesn't do that to us. Look what he said. Seriously, look, I know this is a strange greeting to Gideon. He didn't seem like the Lord was with him. Didn't seem like he was full of power and strength and wisdom and might, full of Almighty God and the word just spewing from him. It didn't seem like he was a mighty man of valor. He was a sissy, down in the wine press in a hole, hoping no one sees him. With a never-ending job. And so I can relate that. It doesn't sound, it, it sounds like a strange greeting to me today. It doesn't seem at times that the Lord is with me either, or us. It certainly doesn't feel or seem like there's heroes amongst us. But see, God looks with spiritual eyes. I look with carnal. I look at myself in the mirror every morning. I go, gee, it's a good reason not to shave. But who's looking back at me? That guy again. 
And so God comes to Gideon. And I love Gideon's boldness, and we need some of this boldness. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't say that to the Lord. No, I don't think God gets bent out of shape over this. Gideon says unto him, um, uh, Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all these miracles? Where be all these miracles which our Father have told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us. That's what Gideon thought. Gideon felt like the Lord hath forsaken, just like many of you do. If God doesn't come when you first ring the bell, when you have to spend a week or two or months in certain a trial, he's forsaken. That's exactly what Gideon thought, that he was forsook by the power of God. And you delivered us into the hands of these Midianites and all these people who don't love God. Where are all these miracles? Gideon heard, and you and I read about them. We look at Acts, we just shake our head and wonder, will it ever be? Why does it seem like days of old? God, you said you've never changed. Where are they? Where are they, God? Where are they? So Gideon, like maybe you and I and me at times, we thought the Lord has forsaken us. Do you know that's not true? You know it. It's not scriptural to even think that. God says what? I will never leave you nor for, I don't care what you feel like, how long you've been dry, waiting for a drink, waiting for an answer, how bad that pain has got. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I never will. The problem was Israel forsook God. Israel forsook God. God did not forsake Israel. Israel forsook God. And now here's all the generations that are coming behind those that have forsook God for mammon or for whatever dumb reason. And you and I now are in our little trying to thresh wheat for God in our little pockets of churches that are Drying up from being alive with the Spirit of God. All right. I don't think anybody would say that's different. I think you know where the church is, where America is. All right, so what do we do? Well, Ezekiel 1 tells us what's going on. Here's what's going on. You've heard this before, but we need reminded. Now, it came to pass in the 13th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day. Is that exact enough? Now, I mean, I don't know what that is. I could guess and say, well, that's January, whatever. doesn't matter, but look how exact God is. Now, it came to pass in the 13th year in the fourth month. So somewhere in the portals of God wisdom, he knows the exact day, time, and month when what I'm about to read you started happening in America. And now here you and I are. As I was the captives, by, as, as I was among the captives by the river of Chabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. What is Ezekiel saying? This happened during the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. Verse 3 says this, The Lord gave this message to Ezekiel, son of Buzi, a priest, beside the Chabar River in the land of the Babylons. Listen, and he felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. 
Lord, let them feel that today. Those who are tentative, those who are willing, Lord, let them feel the hand of the Lord. Take hold of them today. You. Feel. You can feel. Oh, yeah. Well, I say don't go by feeling. But sometimes God lets you feel the hand of the Lord. Take hold of you today. Verse 4 says, As I looked, I saw a great storm coming from the north, driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightnings and shone with brilliant light. There was fire inside the cloud. In the middle of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. So I'm sure, just like Zeke was going, what is this? What is this? We lived in PA almost all our life. Now, it's been a while since we've been there. And we weren't used to, we didn't have tornado sirens in PA. I never heard any of that. Just don't, what, there's maybe too many hills or something in PA. It does, it's a rare, very rare. And so we're here living amongst you guys. <coughs> and we're starting to learn about tornadoes and stuff. And I still remember we were living on Jackson, right over there. 1850 Jackson, I think it was. And it was a stormy, weird day. And I went out on the front porch. And I was like, Ruth, come look at this. And there was a cloud, big white cloud going this way, coming right towards us on our front door. It, it's like the wind didn't start yet. It was just looked like somebody was pouring out flour ready to make bread. I thought, eh, isn't that cool? That's, this is what Ezekiel was probably doing. What is, that's kind of cool. I mean, it wasn't no time at all. The wind hit, and I understood that it was a, I guess it's not really considered a hurricane until it turns, or tornado until it turns. So it was going like this, snap trees in our backyard. <laughs> it was crazy, but I, and this is what Ezekiel's, he's looking at what on earth is that? So let's go down to verse 26. And above the firmament that was over the heads was the likeness of a throne. As the appearance of a sapphire stone upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. And I saw the color of amber as the appearance of fire round about within it. From the appearance of his loins even upward, from the appearance of his loins even downward. I saw it was as the appearance of fire and it had brightness round about. Starting to come in clear focus. I mean it didn't take long for me to realize what we were looking at after a while. When it snapped off big 60-foot pine trees behind our house. Verse 28 says this, As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. What are you going to do when that comes back in the house of God? And all their shenanigans and all their billions, like God cares that they have billions. Seriously, think about that. The appearance of the glory and the power of God that should be in his temple. In his place where his people gather. In the temple of Almighty God. That kind of glory and power. Let them walk into that. And they'll stand there like I was. Eventually they'll see and feel the force of that power. Our house looked like it had freckles. It had pasted leaves all over the front of the house. 
individualese just all over after it went past. The glory and its power. No one could stand up here and say, I'm changing that vote. Stare that down. But the problem is you and I, we're losing this power. In the house of God, we're losing it. Maybe there's generations after me that are still not getting this. Maybe my son's generation or the ones behind him. Are you getting this? Because we are at the tipping point now. It's been so long that we don't even believe it. You remember the the whole theory of the fake ice cream? They ate it so long, words this long on the ingredients, but it was only 99 cents when I already had 99 cents. So we ate it and ate it and ate it and gave it to the kids. They ate it. We called it ice cream. They believed it. Until you go try for real, remember? We tasted the real and didn't like it. Went back to the long words. That's where our nation is. They don't like the real. They want to go back to the long, long words of chemicals and nonsense and junk. So this presence of God is being shown and seen. And like, oh my gosh, what is it? It's coming. It's the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. God showed Ezekiel that. And then a few scriptures later, talking about the glory of the Lord, Ezekiel 10, 4, it says, And the glory of the Lord went up from the cherubim and stood over the threshold of the house. So the glory of the Lord in this picture, we won't take all that time. We've done it many times. The glory of the Lord's in the house of God, filled strength and power. It starts to move. And it goes back there and over the threshold where Brian is now. It's leaving this place. And you know this is true. The things that the churches do now in the name of the Lord is insane and crazy. So the glory of the Lord went up from the cherubim and stood over the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. That's what will happen again. I know you've had smidgens and drops of the power of God and the presence of God as God sweeps through a certain song or maybe a message or something in your life. Ezekiel 10.18, New Living, talks about the Spirit of God moves further away. Then the glory of the Lord moved out from the door of the temple and hovered over the cherubim. And as I watched, we're, we're watching And as I watched, the cherubim flew with their wheels to the east gate of the Lord's temple, and the glory of God of Israel hovered above them. Each step you can read, it goes further and further and further away. The glory, the majesty, the power, the thunder, and the word is leaving the house of God. So if you're 15, 16, 18, 14, 13, 12, you don't even have a clue what we're talking about. And if you're a little younger than me, you've got to read books and take my word for it. And if you're me, you have to, occasionally there was a few still living when I was birthed into the kingdom of God that believed this stuff. And now they're about all gone. 
So we are losing the presence of God with all his majesty and power. Now remember that guy. Yeah. Our nation, you're like, this is what you can do for your nation? Oh, yeah, you can get out and vote, but you don't even know if that counts anymore. Do it. I'm not telling you, don't do it. So here's what we're doing today on the July 4th weekend where you're about to go celebrate and have a little hot dog somewhere. 2 Kings 23 says this, And the king sent and gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. Our place should be packed. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, like you and I, and all the men of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, with him, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. You got it on your lap, you got it on the screens, you're seeing it. It's not made up by me. And the king stood by a pillar, made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord. You need to do this. So Lord, as much insight as you give me, I'll walk according to it. So he stood by a pillar, made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord. And to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul. To perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book. And all the people stood to the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priest of the second order, and the keepers of the door, to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord, listen, all the vessels that were made for Baal, and all the groves, and all stuff for heaven. So, God comes great, gathers them all. We need the power of God back in the house of God. It's the only thing going to save our nation. Amen. But we've got to clean up the house of God first before the presence of God will come in. You see, and what man normally does here is he'll make rules. Okay, ladies, no red, red lipstick, no red dresses, nothing, nothing below or above your knee. Men, to, that is so, just run into the wall. That's what man does. He'll come up with rules. I'm not coming up with rules. God the Holy Ghost will snatch you if you need snatched in areas in your life. You will feel the hand of God come on you. And so God says this, you want me to come? Now look, we do. But God says, if you want me to come, you got to do some things before I show up. If you want the power, this is what you can do for your nation. And it is, it's, it, uh, yeah, it is a gamble. You got to go like this. Okay, Lord, our nation is dying, our church is weak, our pastor's barking. I'm all in. I'm all in. Many people before us went all in so you and I could hear the word of God. Many before us. So now he commands the people, you go into the temple. Now we're talking about this. We hide. We've got a lot of closets in this. And he says, you go in there and you clean it all out. <clears throat> and he says, and then we will burn them with fire in the fields of Kidron. Now, look, this shows how deep, look, look, 
we shows how deep idolatry can be in the church. Now, we look at idolatry as statues. Okay, here's, now, there's so many things that you can have idol worship in your life. You don't know it. But God, if we keep praying on way, I said, he'll start showing you things. This has way too much power over your life, God will tell you. Only thing that should have power over your life is me, not this. Whatever it is. You know, some of you make idols out of your children. Some of you make idols out of your education, out of your job. All kind of stuff. V various, who knows? I know you probably don't believe it, but I was good at sports, and I made an idol out of it. I made an idol out of myself. Listen, listen I'm sorry, I'm pathetic. I was stunned when the pirates didn't pick me up. I was like, what? You chose who? Idol. And all I did was just a little boy started playing ball. And I didn't know it, but I sure was making a nice one. To the point where I didn't have a job and I got married. I, don't even, I told her the other I don't know why you married me. I, I don't even know if she, I did. I don't even know if she knows. <laughs> I had Ruth, my 64 Chevy, and my ball glove, and went to Florida to walk on, free agent. Idol. So from this account, there's idols, whatever they are. In us, and they had them. Listen, they had them in the very temple itself. It's like here, it's like here. If you would, you're, you're worshiping God, and everything's going cool, and, and Carol kind of sneakily walks up and pulls out her little idol and is worshiping it in the house of God. That's what they did, they had it in the house of God statues, and various things, and Baal, and Asherah poles, and in the house of God. How many ridiculous things we got in the house of God now? Amen. So God says, get that stuff out. So we can see from this account, it seems like Josiah and his crew here began cleaning from the inside out. You can read it. They start in here. They go to the court, the outer court. They go, and it takes them eight days. That's how much trash. That's how much trash was inside the temple. It took them eight days. Look, for our, where's our cleaning ladies? Let's just turn them around so you can have all these people to clean tomorrow. Will it take you eight days to clean with all these people? It took them eight days to bring trash out. Our, our Navy veteran was sitting here. I mean, he had, I don't know, 30 years in the Navy. And he corrected me, well, remember the 45 square mile aircraft carrier, hard right, takes aircraft carrier over 45 square miles a turn? Well, that's John Wayne's day. You know, that's how it was in World War II and all that. The, the, the Navy guy, I forget what he said, I forget what commands he even said, that they can say this and say, he's spitting out these commands to me afterwards, and they can turn that boy around in an hour. That big aircraft carrier. So this can be turned around in an hour. Started at 10, it's 11.20. That was plenty of time. I don't know, maybe they had to hold on for a while, but 
Hold on. Turn his baby around. Now, hearing that made me think of us. Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians six sixteen says this. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You and I. I made an idol of God giving me God given talent to play ball. I made an idol out of it. I fashioned it. In what agreement has the temple with God with idols? Listen, listen. For you are the temple of the living God. You are. If you're saved, you are. If you're not saved, get saved at the altar call. And then you are the temple of the living God. And God can come to you and say, hey, hero, I got a job for you. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Hath God said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So when you come to this altar and say, God, I want to be used by you, God. And he starts saying, okay, this, this, that, that, and this, and this, and that, and that, and that. You just say, yes, Lord. You understand why? why? Let's pay that so we can have this. So God can come back into our nation like he wants to. Just looking for people to, to work through. Just looking and begging for a church that will go, Lord. Hezekiah. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. 25. God started to use this guy like this. 25. 25 now what? We're pretty much finally, maybe, getting rid of our death grip on PlayStation. Maybe. Maybe you're just finishing college or something. I don't know. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Verse 2, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Look at me. We can do what's right. People do and have done what's right in the Lord. They have. You can do it. Verse 3, in the first year of his reign, the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. We have to repair things. You have to go before God. You sit down and you turn on your favorite something, and God's going, what? You say, I didn't even know, God. I didn't even know. Because he will. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square. And he said unto me, hear me, Levites. That's what we are. Our heritage is God, not land. Now sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry out the rubbish from this holy place. Look here, this holy place. Carry it out, get it out. I'm sure there's rubbish that I haven't thought as rubbish, 
What's the scripture say to those who know to do good and don't? It's Okay, so right now, if God goes, <clears throat> I, I can't get in the debate with God. Oh, that's not rubbish. God says, rubbish. All-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, all-majestic says it's rubbish. I'm going to say, that's not rubbish. And look, please look at me. Let my God tell me what's rubbish. Second Chronicles 29:17. Now they began to sanctify on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the vestibule of the Lord. So they made it all the way to the vestibule after eight days of cleaning. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and on the sixteenth day of the first month they finished. So you can you can finish, and you can expect the invasion of God, the power of God. This is what you can do for America. As America keeps going against God, sooner or later, the fragrance and the aroma of the presence of God that's come to this little church and this little what? Where? Where? Zanesville. My dad never even said it. He used to say Zanesville. <laughs> it could happen here. Sure. And you could be a part of it. And like I told you, that big aircraft carrier, I don't know what they do, you can turn it in an hour, he said. Deuteronomy 23, 14 says, For the Lord thy God walk in the midst of the camp to deliver thee and to give up thy enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. And God's been turning away, not because he forsook us and doesn't want us, it's because we're playing with things maybe we don't even realize are idols. Or uh, defilement or various things because it's so liberal and loose anymore. And I'm not giving you a list. And I'm not being legalistic. I'm being scriptural. You go before God and you let God line it out. I told you, you'll laugh at me. There are various things that God will just adds enough. It's enough of that. Even if I listen to maybe one of my favorite preachers, which is David Wilkerson, there could be too much time I listen to him. And God will tell me, it's enough of that. You need to listen to me. I told you before you do chuckle, it's Italian music. God says, it's enough. Because that, that stirs juices in me that are not godly. And I remember the first time God says, you're not Italian, you're a Christian. And I went, oh, ooh. One Kings 8.10 says this, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister before the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Listen, listen. When you're dead, when your God-forsaken father who wanted nothing to do with it finally says, yes, I'll come see your son in a VBS thing. Isn't that what you want? The glory so thick that the people almost can't. What's he going to do? That's not real. 
He's going to hit his face. You want them to give them the best shot they can to have the presence of God when they finally come. When the firemen come for that funeral, yes, yes, yes. We want it spit shine, looking nice, sweet, perfect, as best as we can. But if the word of God's got to be there. It's got to grip them as they sit right out there. They'll be sitting where you are, and it's got to come like and grab, grabs them and yanks them to the front of their pew. Listen to word. The anointing does that. The presence of God does that. It comes and dwell where a people hunger and long for it and say, we've got to have that. That's what we can do for America this another 4th of July. Now listen, as we wind this down, the loss, the captive, the downtrodden, the hopeless. You know, what's, I, don't, I don't know the saying that's all on the Statue of Liberty. Send them all to us. No, that's here. Just send them here. Statue of Liberty don't even stand anymore for what it stood back when we got it. Picture I put of Statue of Liberty on Facebook is doing this. What have we become? This is where they need to come. So they can feel the presence of God. What, did, didn't I just hear uh, the state of Ohio is the worst for drug addiction? Is it, what's that word again? Opioids? The highest of all states. You're like, what? California got it. Bad. That's how Johnson, you're the worst, weirdest. It's Ohio. Uh, I think there's a county over in Dayton somewhere, already to this date, 365 dead. And it's only half the year, maybe. What do, you, what do you think they need? Well, we just need another program. No, 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 no. These people have been to AA in programs. Now saying that, we are and have been diving into a godly program. But if, if, God, if the power of God doesn't, you're not going to talk someone out of opioids that's been on them for 10 years. You know God loves you. You're going you're gonna to have to be power in that place. So this is our goal. To get that glory and the presence and the voice of God that thunders from the pulpit, even from you, as you speak to them here at the altar. This is why I brought you here. Don't you understand? 25 years ago, God did this for me. He's kept me. And you thunder and you speak and the word of God grabs them. Psalms 29 says, The voice of the Lord is upon many waters. Took one cruise in my life. Way out in the middle, who knows where, the ocean changes colors. Who's been on a cruise and seen it? I don't even know what to call it. It's gorgeous. I don't know if aqua's the right, it's a color I've never seen, but you got to go out in the deep to see it. And my first thought wasn't, man, get me out of here. No, my first thought was, the voice of the Lord is on the waters. I was just out there like, Watching it. 
stunned by it. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. It's God's voice. Above all other voices is what America needs to hear. God's voice needs to thunder again. You need to let them know God's voice is above all troubles, all the confusion, all the water that comes in your life. It's the voice of the Lord that needs to be heard. And there's trouble everywhere, all over. Verse 4 says the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord, it commands all the stormy seas to be still in lives of people. Havoc and ha- tossed to and throw, back and forth, marriages, children, drugs, addiction. God comes in, be still. The voice of the Lord. They don't need to come in here for coffee and cookies. They need to hear the voice of the Lord. That's what America needs from us. Yes, I'm planning on voting next time, and I still don't know where it's going to go. But this is my goal. That we get the power and the voice of God back in our lives. Not just here. Even when you're at Kroger's, you can speak to somebody. And the voice of the Lord must be heard through you. The voice of the Lord can raise any dead circumstance to life. Because it's full of majesty. Anything that touches it lives. Remember the dudes in the casket going out in a procession. I'll be in a procession Saturday. And it went by the Lord, and the Lord went, hey, wait. And the guy sat up. So much power. There's dead all around you in caskets. And the voice of the Lord will bring them right back up again. But it's got to be here, not just this little churchy stuff. The voice of the Lord, Bible says, breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. Now listen to this. Cedars. They're like the old entrenched fears. Ah, your father was a drunk. You're a drunk. You'll be just like him. In fact, you are like him. Cedars. Unmovable. Unbending. Your father was a drunk. All these strongholds in your life. No one can break them. No AA. Like tall, unbending cedar trees. The Bible says the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. You understand that? Years and depths of addiction and pornography and alcohol and filth. The voice of the Lord will just shatter it. Given the chance given the opportunity where somebody or some church will stand for it and say, I'm in. I'm all in. Yes. Yes. If you love your country, that's all is left. All hope that's left. Thank God for Trump. They'll either kill him, shoot him. They'll do something. They'll get him out of there somehow. They got all the buttons to push and all the things. They can't do that to God. Like them, whatever, I don't care what you do, it was the mercy of God that stuck them in there. And I'm still baffled. Full blown miracle. Verse 6 says, He maketh them also to skip like a calf, 
Lebanon and Syria like a young unicorn. You know what that means? Old goats like me who keep saying, I think I'm wore out. I need to pass the baton. God will give me new life. New strength. I'll be able to skip like a calf. Run like a young bull again. For the Lord. That's what he'll do. That's what he does. Man, we get a certain age, we're all ready for the farm. Sit around and talk. What do you take? Well, I take this one, this one, this one, this one. That's true. Don't tell me. Can't stand it. Yes, the voice of the Lord brings life and strength to the weary, to the old, to the tired. No matter how age you are, any physical age even. Just, you know, with God and people and things. Get back to the voice of the Lord. Can you imagine how exciting and awesome that would be? The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. How awesome is that? You can walk through the most horrible trial in your life that you might be experiencing even right now. And the voice of the Lord will divide the flames. You walk right through it. It could be raging all around you. We're all going, ain't no hope for that, dude. I tried to. I, he just, and the fire's just kind of split. And I hear you come because of the voice of the Lord. That's what it says. It divides the flame of the fires. It does. The flames of fires thought they had Gene Harris locked up. I didn't know him to. He's 82. 82. In his words to me when I mentioned the Bible, he says, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally lost when it comes to that Bible. And I told him, Gene, that's why God brought me here. What are the odds that in 82, God will divide the flame. Satan thought he had him locked up and roasted up and ready. And God divided the flames. The voice will divide the flames. When there is no way out, the enemy's all around you. The voice of the Lord will just cause the flames and you'll walk right through it. You won't stink like smoke. You won't smell like fire. Man, there was somebody burning something around Jeff Williamson's house last night. Man, I had to drive by three times. And I was like, man. I was saying, Jeff, I'm sure glad that I don't live there. I don't know what he was burning, Jeff, around you. But God is saying, that won't linger on you. That smell of death won't be on you. That's that. It, you'll just walk through it as a testimony of God. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames. And you walk through. Verse 8 says, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. Barren places, lonely places, forsaken places, no water places. God says, my voice will shake them. I'll shake those places. Kadesh is a place of, a place of giants. It is. Giants. Pornography. Billion dollar interest of investments. People... Pour money into that stuff. Drug addiction, like we mentioned, alcohol, no victories in sight. And God said, my voice will shake it. You have been in a lonely place for a long time. In the wilderness, my voice will shake Kaddish. And the giants will run. The voice of the Lord. What are they going to do? 
when God shows up? Seriously, what can they do? Verse 9. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf, and discovereth the forests in his temple, doth everyone speak of his glory. Wouldn't that be awesome? In his temple, everyone is speaking about the glory of God. Instead of, I don't know, but yeah, but may believe once saved, always. Ah, the voice of the Lord makes hinds to calf. You know what that means? Brings life where there is no life. God speaks and people become born again. God speaks and people are birthed into the kingdom of God. God does it. The voice of God does it. The voice of the Lord where the word is spoken and where you believe it and pumped full of the word. It produces life. The old saying, you can't see the trees through the forest. God says, no, my voice, my voice will make clear the forest in front of you. You will see the pathway. That's exactly what that means. You will discover your way through the forest. It says, my, my voice will strip away all confusion. All the branches, all the dents, and all the scary, you'll strip it away, and you'll be able to see and walk right through the force of confusion, or the force of depression, or the force of dread, force of finances. Just walk right through it. The voice of the Lord. That's what we're talking about. Now look, all this stuff that we're mentioning starts, first step is salvation. If you're not saved, then you might as well turn off everything I just said. You're not going to do any of this without salvation. So as we get ready to close, and all the stinking giants that are in your life that have kept you in the winepress, scared, and God's calling you a hero, almighty oh, man of valor, all those God's going to take out for you if you just trust him. All those giants that are even keeping some of you or a number of you from being saved and giving your life for God. God's going to just squash them. And all you have to do is believe it. That's it. That's all you got to do. Listen to what Numbers says. Let's stand. As you get ready, you make your mind up whether you're coming or not. You think of all the various people that are against us. All the laws that are going to be passed to shut pastors up like me. And we're standing, you and I are standing on the brink of the promised land. You and I are. It says this in Numbers 14. I'm probably going to start with 7, Michael, but that's all right. Because, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. That's what I'm doing now. This is what God has given us for today. Some would be here. They're on vacation. I understand all that. But this is what God has given us today. And he'll speak to all the company of this congregation of Israel right now, saying to you today, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. This is a good land I'm telling you about. It's exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, in new hope, you and me, 
then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. And our nation is so hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Only, he says, do not rebel against the Lord. Now listen, here's we are because we are scaredy cats, most of us. Nor fear the people of the land. Listen to what he says. For they are our bread. They're our bread. Those that are conniving, scheming, lying, using their billions to buy our government, to rob us of our liberty, to, to take away our Christianity. They look so big and powerful and filthy rich. God said, they're bread for you. They're bread for you. I mean, you just go in, eat them. Eat them up. America needs this church. Seriously, no some please, very serious. If you're not right with God, I don't know how many times you're going to have yet. I don't. I had called Teresa. No, I texted Teresa Thursday night. I said, Teresa, please. I had appointments all day Thursday. I said, please remind me to go see Gene Harris in the morning. Text back, she said, okay. Friday, I think it was Friday night at 8.30, got a text, Gene passed away. I didn't have another chance to talk to him. I was so thankful that I had talked to him. More than once, talked to him just a few days before that text. I don't know if I'm going to have another day to talk to you. If you are not right with God, get right today. Those of you that are all are filled with the Spirit of God. God wants to take you into a land you've never seen maybe before. To be used by Almighty God. Maybe for the salvation of hundreds, thousands. Who knows what God will do? Here's our older call. Looking. Been playing this game of life a long time. We've all been dealt various cards. Every one of you have the card of faith dealt to you. The Bible says so. Some of you have a few pennies left. Maybe some of you are well off. You've got to say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in, Lord. Live or die, I'm all in. That's our altar call. As they sing, you decide.